Join me in a word of prayer this morning, would you? Oh, Father, we're thankful that you do reign. We're thankful, Father, that you love us, that you have reached down to touch us and to draw us near to you. We're thankful, God, that you loved us that much, that you would demonstrate that love and the gift of your own Son in our behalf. Lord, we gather in this place today to discover your will, to experience a walk with you. And Father, we pray that in these moments as you inspire us by song and touch us by baptism, Father, we pray that you will speak to us through your word. That you will help us, Father, to see and understand your will for our life. Lord, you will give us the courage to make the decisions that impact our lives. Lord, we just pray that you be with us now in these moments. Speak to us, Lord, and speak to these who join with us by way of the radio even this morning. May your Holy Spirit touch our hearts and draw us near to you. In Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to ask you to turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy in the Scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Many writers give a title to this passage, Come Before Winter. The concept is come while you can. Do not miss the opportunity that lays before you. I'd like to begin in the fourth chapter, simply read one verse, verse 6, and then move on. Paul is writing to his young son in the gospel, a young man by the name of Timothy. It is believed that when Paul had been stoned and nearly killed, we know that the city that that particular event on that occasion took place was where Timothy lived as a young boy and his mom and his grandmother. We know that they became believers and trusted in Christ. Many early writers believe that it was probably Timothy that helped pick him up and carry him to their home or one of their neighbor's homes to try to help him back when he had nearly been killed by the process of stoning. Whatever the early connection was, Timothy would become like his earthly son in the gospel. He may have been the closest man on this earth to this great apostle. He loved him like his own. And so he writes to him in this fourth chapter. Beginning with verse 6, he says to him, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time of my departure. He goes on to describe how he has fought a good fight. How God has a plan for him and he has heaven in short laid up for him. But then he changes the subject in a sense as you would come to verse 9. And he speaks to him about what is really important to him at this time in his life. Do your best to come to me quickly, he wrote. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Damatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent thy Kyrus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak 
that I left at Carpus at Troas. And my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me much a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposes our message. At my defense, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And it was delivered, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then in verse 21, almost like a P.S., he says, Do your best to get here before winter. What's going on in this passage? Come while you can. One famous psychiatrist once said, should you and I discover that a nuclear bomb was coming this way, that the telephone's lines would be clogged with people trying to call those that they love the most in this world to speak to them, to say goodbye to them. It is not surprising that Paul, realizing that his days are now numbered, that they will soon realize, that he realizes they will soon take his life. He wants to see the dearest people in his world. Paul locked in a Roman prison since death was near. That's why he said, the time of my departure is at hand. Timothy, come quickly. Demas has deserted me. Crescens is gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and Luke only is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, he said. Bring my Bible, my coat, and my friends. Pretty good combination. The Lord had stood with him, but in a sense, everyone else he felt had forsaken him. And then he says what? Come before winter. What does it mean? It was the realization that he needed to come before it was too late. While the opportunity was still there. There are two great prisoners among history. Paul and a fellow by the name of Napoleon. Maybe two of the greatest in history as far as our knowledge of them. Napoleon, the great French general who in a way wanted to conquer the world. Finally found himself exiled to an island in the Atlantic. One that did his best to conquer, to kill, to be great. The other had done everything he could to conquer the lives of men that they might know an eternal Savior. One had took the blood of many lives and spilt it upon the soil of the earth. The other had shed his blood many times. In an effort to share the gospel with a lost world. It is said of Napoleon when he was about to face death. I wonder if there's anyone in this whole world that loves me. The one thing Paul realized as he faced death. Is there were some people that loved him. People like Luke and Mark 
and Timothy. Paul knew his four friends in particular would stand by him. He said, come before winter. Why? Because if they waited too late in the fall to go down to the port of Troas and board a ship, they knew they could not cross the Mediterranean Sea. The storms were too great. The hurricanes were too constant. Many a ship had went to its grave in an effort to travel during the late fall and early winter months. Paul didn't know if he'd still be here when the winter came. And so he wrote to his son in the gospel and he said, Timothy, I need you, boy. Come. Come before winter. I believe this passage, as many have believed in years gone by, speaks of many voices. It is a cry out to us that says, come while we can. One voice that calls out to us even today is the voice of change. As God speaks to us and calls upon us to come. John Mark, a young disciple, had heard that voice. For there had been a time in his life he had backslidden from God. He, one of Paul's right hands, quit the ministry went home. You know the story. Him and Barnabas had a big fuss about it later when they wanted to take John Mark with them. Paul said, I won't have it. I don't want to quit her on my team. Brother Ken paraphrased. <laughs> but John Mark recommitted his life. And he became a man of God and would later be the hand that would write the gospel of Mark. Voice of change. For some, it is that teachable moment when we hear the Holy Spirit of God speak to our heart. It calls upon us to deal with the issues in our life from which we must change. Or face the consequences. For Paul, it was on the Damascus Road when he heard the voice of change when Christ confronted him. And he turned his life around and made him a great disciple. For Peter, it was one of those events with Jesus when he was first early and not yet committed to Christ when suddenly he realized who Jesus was and he said, Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful man. On that day, his heart changed. He would give his life to Christ. It is the voice of change. It may be calling to you this morning to let go of an old hurt. That has stood between you and God's plan and will for your life for a long time. It's time to forgive. And to let it go. For us, it, it may be the voice that God speaks to us and says to us, You need to get back in church. You need to get back in worship and fellowship with God. It is the voice of change. It calls us out to us. It says, This is important. I cannot tell you this morning. How important it is for you and I to hear the voice of God. Not necessarily from me, but from the Word of God. Our souls hang in the balance. The souls of our children hang in the balance of this Word. It gives life to the lost and hope to the believer. God calls upon us to hear the voice of change. It may be to get back in fellowship with God. It may be to start reading our Bible. We lay it on the shelf and the dust collects. How long has it been since we opened it to let God speak to our hearts? Voice of change. It may be the voice of change that God says to you and I, we need to let the alcohol go. 
I'm going to tell you something, guys, it'll destroy. Ladies, it'll destroy your life. For months, this alcoholic had not taken a single drink. He felt like he'd conquered it. McLaren tells his story. He said on that particular night, he was in his motel room away on a business trip. When the overwhelming urge came, I've just got to have a drink. He said, I picked up my phone, about ready to order a drink to my room. When the voice of God spoke to my heart, and this is what it said. If you order this drink, it'll take you from now on. You'll never make it back. But if you hang up this phone right here, right now, you'll never need a drink again the rest of your life. He said in that brief moment, God strengthened his heart and he laid the phone back down. And he said, I never had to touch alcohol again for the rest of my life. It is that moment of change. When God speaks to our heart and says, there's something in your life that if you don't do right now, you never will. It is a call to respond. Come before winter. Come while the opportunity is there. Come while you can. There's a voice of change. Sometimes we've got to change. We're going to be the husbands and the wives that we want to be. Sometimes we've got to change if we want to be the parents or the grandparents or the great-grandparents we want to be. Are we willing to listen to God's conviction in our heart and accept His call? Secondly, there is the voice of compassion. God gives us the wisdom to know where we are. To help us know that we need to move away from our selfish hearts and hear the voice of compassion. Children have a way of of saying to us, come, come before winter. Come while you can. There will always be a deer to hunt, a job to do. There will always be a game to watch, a fish to catch. Mom, there will always be a dish to wash and clothes to fold. There will always be something else to do. But there will not always be the opportunity while you've got them right now. Brother Ken, you want to make me feel guilty. Yesterday is wasted space. You can forget about it. It's gone. It does not matter what yesterday held. What matters is the decision we make now about the rest of our lives. The voice of compassion. He penned in his diary, this great statesman, took my boy fishing today, another wasted day. But later on, he would read in the diary of his boy, went fishing with daddy today, greatest day in my life. Voice of compassion. As God speaks to us. There are elderly parents. That speak to us. In the voice of compassion. We got a lot to do. A lot of places to be. But don't come. To the end of the journey. And regret your choices. 
Do what you can while you can. Say what you want to say while you can say it. Spend the time while you can spend it. There's the voice of compassion. There's a voice of compassion that speaks out to us, and husbands and wives. Thomas Carlyle was one of the greatest giants in literary history. His secretary wrote everything down. They came that he decided that they need to get married. He loved her. His secretary became his wife. Wrote everything down. He was prolific. But his secretary's wife got sick. She got a form of slow-growing cancer. She kept writing it down. Finally, the time came that she had become so ill. She couldn't do it anymore. When Thomas Carlyle lost her, he felt a great loss. The day of that funeral was rainy and muddy and messy. He walked from that wet funeral plot back to the room, walked up the stairs to the room that she had spent her last days in. He opened her diary and it read with these words, I have listened all day for his steps in the hall. But now it is late. She wrote another day. Yesterday he spent an hour with me. And it was like being in heaven. The next day said. I have listened all day for his steps in the hall. Now it's late. I guess he won't come today. When he read those words. He threw the book down rushed down the stairs and back to the graveside. When his friends found him, he was laying in the mud, weeping. If I had only known. If I had only known. Brother Ken, you try to make us feel guilty. No, I am trying to awaken you as I awaken myself. Take advantage of your opportunities to let them know how much you care. To let them know how much you love them. Is a voice of compassion. I can almost imagine as Timothy got that letter and, and he heard that Paul, his father in the gospel, needed him. There are several things that would have come to my mind as a pastor. He, he probably thought, you know, I can't go right now. I, I, I've got this deacon I got to ordain. And I've got this convention that I'm supposed to preach at. And we've got this business that we've got to do with the church. But as soon as I get through with this and this and this, then I can go see Paul. But I'd like to think that wasn't what Timothy did. I'd like to think what Timothy did was, guys, I'm going to have to put it in your hands now. I've got a mission. I'm going to the side of my father in the gospel. I'm going to be there with him when he needs me. It is the voice of compassion that calls out to us. There is the voice of conversion. What does that mean? 
That is the call of God in my life to make a decision for Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Scripture says, my spirit will not always strive with men. Now, what does that mean? That means that God convicts us, and he convicts us, and he convicts us. But after a while, we just don't hear him anymore. When I was a young boy, I liked to try to play the guitar. I've been trying for years. Some people pick it up and learn it in 15 minutes. I might learn it in 50 years. But the one thing I know is when you haven't played in a while, you press those steel strings against the end of your fingertips. That sharp metal string gouges into your fingers. It is painful. It is uncomfortable. But after a little while, when you've practiced a few days and a few weeks and a few months, after a few months, you can mash those steel strings against the frets of that guitar and you don't feel it at all. Why? Because you've developed calluses on the ends of your fingers and you don't feel it anymore. That's what the scripture is talking about. We can say no to God once and twice and three times and four times. I'm going to tell you something. After a while, we don't hear him at all. We have developed a callus on our heart. And we can't hear through it anymore. Oh, that's just another preacher trying to get another niche on his gun stock. No. It is the Holy Spirit of God knocking at the door of our hearts. Kids, Jesus died on a painful, sacrificial death on a cross. He did it to wash away your sins. Without Jesus, you will never know the relief of forgiveness, the assurance of heaven, the comfort of his presence. Without Jesus, you will never see the beauty of heaven. And without Jesus, we will never again see the loved ones that know Christ that have gone before us. It is only he that can usher us into their presence. There is the voice of compassion. When they lost mom, the young girl and her dad was by her bedside. Mother looked that husband in the face and she says, I got one thing I want you to promise me. What is it, honey? He wasn't saved. He didn't usually go to church with her. Sometimes, but not all the time. She says, I want you to promise me. I'll see you in heaven. Okay, honey. I promise. They said in the church on that Sunday morning when the invitation was given. A little girl reached over and pulled the left arm sleeve of her daddy. And she said, Daddy, we promised Mama. Daddy said, okay. And that Sunday morning, that dad and that young girl came forward and made their reservation in heaven. Guys, I don't know how to say it any clearer. It is the voice of conversion. It is God speaking to our hearts. 
Don't keep doing it till the calluses get on your fingers. Don't worry about the crowd in this room. There's one thing I can tell you. Every Christian in this room will celebrate your decision for Jesus. They won't talk about you. They'll celebrate with you. Why? Because you have just stepped from this life to the next as a child of God. Do we hear the voices this morning? Most people who come to a knowledge of Christ do so because of a friend. Invited them to church. A friend that's been praying for them sometimes for a long time. There's one thing in this life nobody can do for you. Mama can't do it. Daddy can't do it. Your wife can't do it. and Your husband can't do it. And that's make a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. That is your own personal choice. It is the voice of conversion. Paul said, come while you can. I was about 19, 20 years old when I led a revival in South Alabama. I remember one night as I gave an invitation, a young girl about 12 years old was among the group that night. The next night as I gave an invitation, she came forward. And this is what she told me. She said, I went home last night and I thought about what was said. And I realized that if I stepped from this life to the next, I wouldn't be going to heaven and I would never see my loved ones again in Christ. And that young girl said with great ability, I want to come tonight and trust Jesus as my Savior. That's been a long time ago, folks. But I've never forgotten it. It is the voice. The voice of conversion. When God knocks at the door of our heart, There are many voices that cry out to us. As the Holy Spirit of God touches our heart, there's a voice of change that that calls upon us to put out of our life those things that hinder us. The voice of compassion to take opportunity and do what we can to meet the needs of those we love. And the voice of conversion that calls out to us to trust Christ while we can. It's not too late to hear the voice of change and repent. It is not too late to hear the voice of compassion and touch the lives we love. And it is not too late to hear the voice of conversion and invite Jesus into our life as our Lord and Savior. What are we waiting for, folks? Lightning from heaven. What do we expect God to do? Brother Ken, I'm going to come when, when he strikes me. And I realize that I'm telling you, if he has already spoken to your heart, If he's already moved your soul, God has already spoken to you. The question is, will we respond? In his still small voice, he has spoken to your heart. He says, follow me now while you can. The good thing about opportunity is it's here right now. It is your opportunity and mine. Chances are among these three issues, one of them meets all of our needs. Which one is it yours? Are we willing 
to respond while the opportunity lays before us. Let's go to the Lord and cry, shall we? Oh, Father, be with us. Lord, you know the needs of our heart this day. Lord, I believe you want to do great things in our lives. And so, Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts this day. Oh, Lord, help us to conquer our pride. Help us to conquer our fears. And come to you while we can. I pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be here this morning and You may say this morning, the need I have is to move my letter and to serve Christ right here in this church. Your need may be to rededicate your life. Say, I need to hear the voice of change. But if God has spoken to your heart, I invite you to come. By your coming, acknowledge your need to do the will of God in your life.